Hello, everybody, and welcome in to the newest edition of the Justin Time Sports Podcast. I am your host, Justin Jackson. And remember, follow the Twitter page, Instagram, and now we're on Facebook at JTime Sports. We have officially launched the Facebook page for the Justin Time Sports Podcast, along with breaking news and updates. So now you can be on us with Twitter, you can be on us with Instagram, and tell your friends, your family members to like us on Facebook at Justin Time Sports. You can look us up at JTime Sports. So it's the same thing it's Instagram and Twitter at JTime Sports. Should pull up the Facebook page for you to like as well. I'm posting the same news, same news and information. I post on Twitter and Instagram is also going on the Facebook so definitely check that out and in this week's episode we will be talking about the NBA what's going down with free agency in the offseason we'll be talking about the NFL ramping up as we're getting closer and closer to the football season we will have an interview with uh, Kenny Ward of hanging with July and Wilk and we will have our best for last. Now, remember, you can follow the show on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. And don't forget the recently launched Facebook page at JTime Sports, the Justin Time Sports page, along with, along with Twitter and Instagram. Now, I hope you guys sit back and get ready to learn something. Welcome into the show in an absolutely packed show. Uh, like we're gonna talk about the NBA and what's happening there. We're gonna talk about the NFL. We're gonna talk with Kenny Ward of Hanging with July and Wilk. They have their own podcast on YouTube. Um, so we're gonna talk with one half of that group, and then of course we're gonna have our best for last. But when it's the NBA offseason, you know we got to start with the NBA. And we're going to jump right into free agency, what's going down. And the biggest stories, of course, is coming out of La La Land when it's centered around LeBron James and it's centered around him having a total team rebuild. Of course, you have to start with LeBron James's Los Angeles Lakers team. And they have decided to completely retool the roster. There's only five players returning from last year's team. That is LeBron James. That's Anthony Davis. That is presumably Jared Dudley. I'm counting Dudley into this mix. Um, there's a couple of minor role players. And then there is, of course, T- Taylor Horton Tucker. He will also be back from last year's team. But they have a very limited group coming back. Um, if the roster holds, which there's no expectation that it won't. Uh, if the rosters hold, then this will officially be the oldest team in NBA history. Um because everyone they have added so far has been Carmelo Anthony, has been Trevor Ariza. Kendrick Nungan is young. You've got Dwight Howard. Of course, you're being back Taylor Horton Tucker. You have Kent Bazemore, and you have a very young Malik Monk. But out of your additions, you look at Russell Westbrook's on the wrong side of 30. You look at Carmelo Anthony on the wrong side of 35. You look at Trevor Ariza, he's around 34, 35. Dwight Howard's around 35, 36. You have Kent Bazemore in his mid-30s. And so if you look at those guys and you look at what they sent out, they sent out a young Alice Caruso. You allow Andre Drummond to walk to Philadelphia. You get rid of Montrezl Harrell and Kyle Kuzma to bring in Russell Westbrook. So if you look at the Lakers are going to try to do something no one's ever done, which is win with an old team. Now, older wins. You look at Milwaukee. Yes, Giannis is 26, but who was his running mates? Chris Middleton's almost 30. Drew Holiday is in the range of 30 as well. Uh, PJ Tucker is in his mid-30s. Um, so you look at a lot of his. Brook Lopez is older. He's, he's, he's on 30, above 30 years old. You look at a lot of his running mates. 
were experienced players. Yes, Giannis was the best player in the series. Yes, Giannis, I believe right now, has a very legitimate claim to being the best player on planet Earth, but his running mates in the NBA Finals along with him were young, were older players. Um, but the Lakers are going to go in with old players. Again, this will be the oldest roster in the history of the NBA. Um, they Their best player will be entering year 19. Anthony Davis, it's not year 10 or 11 for him. It doesn't feel like it, but he's entering year 10 or 11. Again, I listed off the ages of the other players. Carmelo Anthony, Trevor Ariza, Dwight Howard, Kim Bazemore, uh, Wayne Ellington. I left him out of the original. Wayne Ellington. Uh, now, and there's a lot of journeymen. Think about it. Carmelo Anthony, he's been a Nugget. He's been a Nick. He's been a Blazer. He's been a, um, you know, he was technically a Hawk for all of... 30 minutes, it felt like. Um, you look at Trevor Reza, he's bounced around recently. Uh, Dwight Howard's been a journeyman. Uh, Wayne Ellington is like on his ninth or 10th team. Kim Bazemore's been bouncing around recently. And so it'd be very interesting to see if all these cogs can come together in the sense of helping the Los Angeles Lakers win their 18th title, which is the only thing that really matters to the Los Angeles Lakers, especially LeBron James, who is trying to procure ring number five. He's still chasing the ghost of Michael Jordan. I believe that, I mean, he said he's chasing the ghost, but recently, as recently as a couple years ago on the shop, he said he was the GOAT. In some people's eyes, he that statement of chasing the ghost of 23 in Chicago will stick with them. Uh, they believe Michael Jordan is the GOAT, but in order for LeBron James to definitively, in his mind, prove that to everyone, he must keep winning. Um, I think if he thought he was definitely the GOAT, he would leave. But because he is dealing with 65% of the world, especially after the last dance, believing Michael Jordan was the GOAT, he's going to keep playing and try to keep winning. He thinks if he can get to six championships, at that point it's definitive. You have no argument. Because in everything after that, LeBron would have more of. And so I believe that that is crucial in driving him. Um, we always talk about veterans winning championships. We always talk about, oh, this veteran-laden team won. Like I just spoke about the Bucks and how they won. Yes, Giannis is 26. But if you then you look at Chris Middleton's older, Drew Holiday's older, Brooke Lopez's older, PJ Tucker's older, Bobby Portis has some years in the league, um, and those are his key helpers. LeBron's taking the idea of okay, I can take Carmelo Anthony, who I know is a certified bucket. Yes, he's getting older, but I know for a fact he is a certified bucket. I can take Trevor Ariza. He's a knockdown shooter, and he can still play defense in spots. I can take a Kendrick Nunn. He's younger, but he can come in as a backup point guard really for Russell Westbrook. I can take a Dwight Howard. I just had him in 2019. He still appears to be in shape in 2020, uh, playing for the 76ers. It just wasn't a good fit for him. Welcome him back. LeBron loves THC. He likes his game. You look at Bazemore, two-way player, can knock down an open shot. And Malik Monk shot 40% on threes, an even higher percentage than that on catch-and-shoot threes. And then Wayne Ellington is a knockdown shooter as well with a lot of veteran experience. Now, the main concern for the Lakers would be that age. Their main benefit and their main concern centers around the same thing. Being the oldest roster in the NBA history means you have the most NBA experience on any roster ever, especially with the way that people are coming in now at 18, 19, 20 years old instead of 21, 22, 23 years old. That's a couple of more years on everybody that you have. Think about it. LeBron James came in at 18. Carmelo Anthony came in at 19. Malik Monk is 21-22 and already played one contract in the NBA. Kendrick Nunn is 21-22 and he's already played the contract in the NBA. Uh, when you've got guys doing that one year and they're out, you've got way more experience at an early age. So with all this experience, you've got a lot of one and done or two and done players 
Uh, so you got the most experience ever in the NBA. And that means they know basketball. That means LeBron James doesn't have to take his time to teach anyone basketball. And you notice why he gets rid of rookies. You look at when he uh, went to Miami. They had, had a couple young guys. Uh, Pat Riley had a real control on that team. But they had Norris Cole um, and Mario Chalmers. So they basically turned into spot-up shooters because LeBron James took the ball out of their hands and became the point guard on the team. He goes right to Cleveland. Yes, he has Kyrie Irving. He loves Kyrie Irving. What is the first thing he does? Trades a lot of youth and a lot of picks to get Kevin Love. Um, he goes to the Lakers. He tries the kids for a year. What does he do? Trade all the kids for Anthony Davis. Um, it's a pattern. He tends to get rid of um, the youth on the team. And then he tends to go for veteran laden teams. Now, this is his most very, this is his most veteran laden team he's ever had. It's the most veteran laden team in NBA history. So we're gonna see if that works out. Downside is, with all those miles and all those years and all those games and all that experience, comes a higher risk of injury. Anthony Davis has never had a strong body. He's been brittle. I'm a, I'm a New Orleans Pelican fan. He's been brittle. Um, I remember that was a game I went to. He scores. He scored his career high that night. He scored like 50 something points. And then um, the next uh, the next day he was out for two months. I mean he wasn't, but I'm saying it's in a sense of he will have a great moment, and you look at him like my God, he could be the best player in the NBA or one of the best players in the NBA. And then he's out for six weeks with a sprained toe. Like, it's just, it's the way Anthony Davis operates. His, he's never take great care of his body. He's not out of shape. He's not fat. He's not what James Harden did when he was uh, protesting his way out of Houston. He came in fat. It looked like Harden was 300 pounds. Um, you know, it wasn't a situation like that, but it is not elite training of the body to where you are resistant to injury. Um, now, again, some guys just have weaker bodies. Some guys are just not physically built. Um, to sustain injury. You look at a Derrick Rose, uh, how long his career took to finally get his body together. You look at several other guys, Sam Bowie, uh, who are just naturally injured players. You look at guys who are naturally strong and seem to never get hurt, uh, a la James Harden prior to this season. But so you got Anthony Davis, who doesn't have the world's strongest body. Russell Westbrook has had multiple knee operations, although he's going to give you 10,000% when he's on the court. He's undergoing multiple knee operations. Uh, LeBron James has been injured two of the last three years. Uh, one, I think, was kind of age-related, and that was the growing uh, that he slipped. In his first year in L.A., slipped, sprained his growing. He was out for weeks, never really got back healthy. Uh, last year was a Solomon Hill uh, falling on his ankle, so that could happen to anybody. But maybe his age slowed the recovery down. Uh, as we suppose we're used to LeBron James rolling his ankle until it touches the floor and then lacing his shoe back up and playing the rest of the game and not missing any time. So when you look at that, you know, you've got Carmelo Anthony. He, he's he's healthy for the most part, um, but he hasn't really been counting off for big minutes. I don't think he will be here, but he hasn't been counting off for big minutes. Dwight Howard's had nagging injuries throughout his career. Trevor Reese has had nagging injuries. Uh, Bazemore has been fine for the most part. Monk's been fine for the most part. But with all that age, and Wayne Ellington as well, but with all that age comes the higher increased chance of injury. And with this team centered around so much age, an injury to a guy taking 20 minutes, where now you have to divide those 20 minutes, you're putting five extra minutes or seven extra minutes on other bodies, that could lead to their bodies being overstressed and they're starting to get hurt. 
And you saw that last year in the NBA uh, chain injuries where one player would get hurt. And wouldn't it be a main player? It'd be a guy within 15 minutes. But now those 15 minutes is five extra minutes on three other people. Now one of them are hurt. Well, now you got to take his minutes plus the other guy's minutes and divide up amongst somebody else. Now they're hurt. And so that would be the concern if I was the Lakers training staff would be to try to avoid what I would like to call uh, train injuries where one guy playing 20 minutes. Okay, now it's the next guy because instead of playing 25 minutes, he's playing 30. Now he's hurt. So now there's 50 minutes to divide amongst the rest of the players. And that would be a really bad situation for the Lakers, a group, a cluster injury. Well, two or three guys, in the, especially in the same position group, get hurt. So three forwards go down. Ariza, Bazemore, and Melo are both all down for two weeks. Now you put extra stress on LeBron, extra stress on Westbrook, extra stress on Anthony Davis. You put extra stress on uh, guys who make a feel that spot, a Malik Monk, a THT, uh, because of so many injuries in one area. So that'll be something definitely to watch out for with the Lakers. Um, and now we're going to shift gears to the other major move team that has been happening. The Chicago Bulls have done for Zach Levine what the Trailblazers have refused to do for Damian Lillard. The Chicago Bulls have completely revamped the the organization, really, in the past eight months. Uh, the first big move was getting Nikola Vucevic from the Orlando Magic. Uh, many didn't even know Nikola Vucevic was available really the Orlando Magic was not a good basketball team uh we know that but they had you know Markel Foles they had um Craig Greg Anthony's son Cole Anthony they had Aaron Gordon they had Nikola Vucevic uh you had Mo Bamba you had um Jonathan Isaac you had solid young pieces uh, they thought they were going to add, maybe try to add somebody for agency or make a trade, and then they will be able to really compete in the middle of the East. You know, and that New York Nick, Atlanta Hawk, um, Boston Celtic, anywhere that four to seven range uh, was going to be where they're going to compete. And then you look up and you get the alert, you get the, you get the information that Nikola Vucevic has been moved to Chicago. Okay, so that was the first piece. Uh, you look at Chicago, I'm like, it's not really a much better situation. For Vucevic, who's been dealing with Orlando's ineptitude pretty much since he got in the NBA. And I was looking at how Chicago wasn't that much better. I mean, yeah, you had a better sidekick. Zach Levine's better than Aaron Gordon, except Aaron Gordon should have those dunk contest trophies, but whatever. Uh, Zach Levine is a better player than Aaron Gordon at this point in their careers. And so I was like, okay, Levine's, you know, okay, that'll work, I guess. You got Kobe White still, Lori Marketing. Uh, you got Thomas Sadarensky, Thaddeus Young. Um, you know, pretty solid. A couple draft picks, maybe trade for somebody, you know? Pretty solid situation. And then the Bulls come in this offseason. And Fragency started, you know, the moratorium period started on August 2nd at 5 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Central, which is where I am. And. Boom. The first deal announced. Rich Paul announces Lonzo Ball has agreed to a four-year, $85 million deal with the Chicago Bulls. And my immediate thought was, again, I'm a Pelicans fan. My immediate thought was, okay, the Bulls, that was their offer sheet. Pelicans are going to match it. $85 million is in the budget we offered originally. We offered 80 So, um, you know, that, that's good to know because that is perfect for... Everything we were looking for, you know, four years, 80 million, four years, 85, what's another, you know, $1.25 million a year, you know, whatever. 
And then no, 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 it was it was a deal, deal. Like it was already a negotiated sign and trade for the Bulls to acquire Lonzo Ball for Thomas Sederinski, um another player I can't think of. Right? Oh, Gary Temple, Thomas Sederinski, Gary Temple, and a first and a pick uh, was going to New Orleans in exchange for Lonzo Ball. Okay, interesting upgrade. You got Lonzo Ball, put Cook White on the bench. Lonzo Ball, Zach Levine, Nikola Vucevic. It's pretty much your five. Okay, and then some other deals happen, which we'll talk about in a second. And then you get the boom news. I mean, I get news. According to Chris Haynes at Yahoo, DeMar DeRozan's going to interview with the with the Los Angeles Clippers. I incorrectly tweeted that he has signed, but um, they're going to, you know, meet with the Los Angeles Clippers and talk about a deal. You know, DeMar has said on, on Club Shay Shay with Shannon Sharp that he wants to go home. She's from Compton. He wanted to win. Demar, Kawhi, and PG—that's a pretty hell of a—that's a hell of a team right there. He would take a pay cut to do so, and but he did mention Lakers. So I was thinking that oh, he's gonna go to the Lakers, you know, meeting with the Clippers, and then he'll secretly meet with the Lakers, and then he'll openly meet with the Lakers, and then he'll sign. Um, all of a couple hours later, I'm getting word that no, he's not going to the Clippers. That indeed he's going to sign and trade his way. To the Chicago Bulls as well uh, for Thad Young for a package center around Thad Young and some draft picks. Um, that was intriguing. So you get a bona fide number one in Demar Derozan. Wait, hold on, breaking news! Uh, breaking news. So the Dallas Mavericks are sending a contingent. I just finished tweeting, Instagramming, and Facebooking it at JTime Sports on all those. The Dallas Mavericks just are, are planning to send a contingent of um, Dirk Nowitzki, Nico Harrison, Mark Cuban, and Michael Finley are planning to fly over to Slovenia next week to offer Luka Doncic his Supermax contract. Uh, per, per his Supermax, it is projected five years, obviously, and projected $202 million. So average 40.5 or something uh, million dollars a year. I can't do math at the moment. Uh, 40.4 something million dollars a year. Uh, over 40 million dollars a year to stay with the Dallas Mavericks and to be their centerpiece. Um, as you know, with Supermaxes, he won't be eligible to be traded in the first year of the Supermax. So that'll be interesting. So, you know, Dallas has a year, maybe two, to get their act together before Luca starts to look for greener pastures, possibly. Um, that's the reason you bring in a Dirk. That's the reason you bring in a Jason Kidd. That's the reason you bring in a Michael Finley. Um, that's the reason you, you bring in a Nico Harrison. It's trying to make Luca as comfortable as possible to ensure that he is your next Dirk, that he is your franchise centerpiece for 15, 20 years, however long he decides to play. Um, and so you bring in these guys with great relationships to him in order to make him feel better. And then you fly all of them over to his country um, and negotiate with him there. So that is uh, huge news out of the NBA. It was already planned, uh, but that was something definitely that didn't know they were going to Slovenia to do it. Uh, Mark Stein was the first one on that. But back to the Chicago Bulls rebuild. And so you bring in DeMar DeRozan. He's a bona fide number one. So you bring in two starters in exchange for five draft picks and three role players. You bring in two starters. So now your revamp starting five includes Zach Levine, Lonzo Ball, DeMar DeRozan, and Nikola Vucevic. And that's a very legitimate five. Is it a championship five? I don't think so. But 
the Chicago Bulls haven't been this relevant in the NBA since Derrick Rose blew his ACL. Um, and then before that, it was Michael Jordan. So I do I expect Eastern Conference playoffs? Absolutely. They should be anywhere from the three seed to the six seed. I don't see them going anything lower than six. And I don't think they're going to get higher than two. I think Milwaukee and Brooklyn are going to have amazing uh, regular seasons. And then that three spots up for grabs because Philadelphia, who knows what they're going through with Ben Simmons. Um, and so, yeah, anywhere from three to six, I could see uh, the Chicago Bulls being in that range in terms of making the playoffs and even winning a playoff series. So, who knows for Chicago, but good job for them. And then the other team making moves, and also in the East, another one of those teams in contention from three to six, would be the Miami Heat. They uh, picked up Kyle Lowry, uh, who was a guy who I was told was going to control free agency in terms of where he went with domino effect multiple um, teams. And so he ultimately ended up going to the Miami Heat, which is one of his top two or three projected places. It was the Heat. It was the Lakers if he wanted to just flat out win. Uh, Resigning with Toronto pretty much was out. Uh, And so the Heat won the Kyle Lowry sweepstakes. And they also stole P.J. Tucker from the Milwaukee Bucks for two years at $15 million. I'm quite surprised Milwaukee didn't match that deal Uh, or even slightly overpay it. Um, maybe P.J. Tucker wanted to change his scenery. Maybe he wanted to live in South Beach. Can't blame him there. But it's very interesting the Bucks let P.J. Tucker go. Now, I listen to Gilbert Arenas when he talks about basketball. He's one of the few ex-players I can listen to repeatedly and often. Um, and he was saying that a guy like P.J. Tucker doesn't really help you win as much as you would think so pj tucker is a defensive player he may not score a point but his whole job is to play defense well if kevin durant he guard kevin durant kevin durant averaged 30. if pj tucker holds him to 25 but tucker doesn't score you still have to make up the 25 point difference between the kevin durant and pj tucker with the other players on the roster however if you get an okay defender but a guy who can put the ball in the hole and Kevin Durant go gets 30, but your guy goes gets 17. Well, now that's only 13 points you have to make up from the other guys. No one's going to match KD bucket for bucket normally. However, the closer you can keep it, the better. So yeah, KD may score with 25, 25 instead of 30, but if Peter Tucker doesn't have any because nobody lets him get that corner three off, then he lost the match about 25 points. As opposed to an average defender, KD go get 30, but he turns around and gets 17. Well, that's only 13 points they have to make up. Um, and so maybe Milwaukee was looking at it that way. We can get a, a okay defender to score some points to be able to create some kind of offense and not be solely dependent on one shot of the game or be solely dependent on defense. And so, but Miami Heat acquired PJ Tucker. Uh, they fit in with their dog mentality. Now you've got a Bam Adebayo. Now you've got Jimmy Butler, who signed a max contract extension of four years, $184 million. You've got Kyle Lowry. You've got P.J. Tucker. You've got Duncan Robinson, who you bring back on a five-year, $90 million deal. You still got Tyler Hero. You still have uh, the other young pieces that you acquired throughout the years. Udonis Haslam hasn't announced his retirement. And so you have some dogs on that team in Miami now, and they're going to be a very interesting watch because Eric Spolster is one of the best coaches in the league. And think about it. They 
were a six or seven seed last year, really struggling um, with injury. And so you bring back the guys. I believe Goran Dragic is going back. I can't remember off the top of my head right now. But you bring back that squad. You add a dog and Peter Tucker. You add a legitimate point. No, Dragic's not going back. You add a legitimate point guard in uh, Kyle Lowry. Dragic's good, but he's going to Toronto in the tight end trade deal to acquire Kyle Lowry. But you add Lowry and Peter Tucker to that squad. Again, they're in that mix, especially healthy, of three to six where you can really be battling it out trying to get a playoff spot. That's the same thing with the Knicks, um, who did a great job retaining their players, except for Reggie Bullock, um, but did a great job retaining their players. They re-signed Alec Burks. They re-signed uh, Taz Gibson. They paid Julius Randle four years on $117 million, and they went and picked up Kimball Walker. So if you remember, Kimball Walker was in Boston, and he was traded to Oklahoma City in the Al Horford trade. Uh, Kimball Walker then negotiated a buyout with the Oklahoma City Thunder, and upon clearing the buyout, he, he signed a two-year, $8 million deal, I believe, with the New York Knicks, or he signed with the New York Knicks. Um, don't remember the term exactly, but he did sign with the Knicks. And so, when you bring in Kimball Walker, you brought back Derrick Rose, three years, $43 million. Like I said, you gave Julius Randle his money. You re-signed Alec Burks. You still got R.J. Barrett. You still have Kevin Knox, although maybe not for long. And you have, um, you know, a bevy of talent that got you to four C last year. And so we look at that team. They're better. The New York Knicks are a better basketball team today than they were six months ago. They're a better basketball team today than they were two weeks ago. Uh, because now that squad has playoff experience. Derrick Rose had it. Todd Gibson had it. You know, a few of the guys had it, but Julius Randle never been involved in a playoff team. Uh, R.J. Baird obviously is not. Um, you know, you look at Mitchell Robinson, he has not. So many good players on that team had not been involved in the playoffs. Uh, some of them really hadn't played in front of crowds in their careers. Um, and so now you get a raucous New York Madison Square Garden crowd for a team expected to be good. They're a team, again, in that three to six range. It wouldn't shock me if they were three. It wouldn't shock me if they were six. Uh, they fit in there with Boston, New York, Atlanta, Miami, Chicago. So I guess let's make it three to seven uh, in terms of the spots that these teams could fill that would not shock me because of how competitive the middle of the East is now. Um, so that would definitely be something to look out for the New York Knicks. Uh, speaking of the Dallas Mavericks, spoke about them a minute ago, uh, but they uh, are doing a little bit to put pieces around Luka. You look at them acquiring Reggie Bullock from the New York Knicks. I believe it's something like three years, $32 million, something with something in that line. They bring back Tim Hardaway Jr. He got a four-year deal in excess of about $78 million. Uh, and then you bring back Boban Marjanovic. He's a fan favorite, but he's also something that can help uh, Christos Porzingis, along with any Willie Collins sign, any other bigs. Good Boban is a smart play. He's been around a long time. He can really help those guys, you know, with the business of basketball along with on the court. Uh, you look at the kind of impact Steven Adams had, for instance, on the uh, Pelicans last year with Jackson Hayes and Billy Hunting Gomez, um, who just got a three-year deal with the Pelicans. Um, that smart, you look at, they would start doing little moves like them um, and stuff like that. So, uh, you see a little bit of Willie Collerstein. Hopefully, um, Boban can really help uh, Chris Asporzingis get a post game to use that seven foot three frame to his advantage. Uh, you look at the Phoenix Suns. They retained everybody. Uh, they even brought back Dario Saric, and their big news was re signing Chris Paul. 
to a four-year deal worth up to $120 million. Now, this deal is a little complex. So the first year and a half, or the first two years are fully guaranteed. And then that third year and the fourth year is where the team has outs. So it may not be necessarily non-guaranteed money, but in terms of you can get out of the contract. So first couple years, okay, that's fine. That's why the language being thrown around is up to 120. Uh, first couple years, that's okay, that's guaranteed. And then I think believe starting in year three, the team has the ability to get out from under the contract. And so if Chris Paul ages horribly, then let's say Chris Paul shows next season looking old. Well, it's two years of old Chris Paul, then you can get out from under him. Or if he starts up looking great and keeps playing great, you can just not get out from under the contract, continue to pay him for his services. Um, so this is Chris Paul's last big payday. I would assume this is Chris Paul's last payday in general. Um, but kudos to him for getting rewarded on an amazing career, not just with the finals trip, but with, uh, his, like I said, his last big contract that he's hoping to see all four years, $120 million of. The Atlanta Hawks bring back everybody. They pay Trey Young his max contract extension. They give John Collins five years or $125 million. He's making a boatload of money. And so Atlanta Hawks, another one of those teams, like I said, in that three to seven range. Who can be as high as three, it wouldn't shock me. And as low as seven, it wouldn't shock me. Um, so that is something to watch out for Atlanta. The New York Knicks did add Evan Fournier. Uh, four years, $78 million to pry him away from the Boston Celtics. What I always find so interesting in the NBA is when these odd numbers become their regular payment. So $78 million is kind of random, but there's multiple players in the league, including Tim Hardaway and Evan Fournier, to get four years, $78 million. I always find it very intriguing when players get the exact odd number of somebody else. Um, the new the Brooklyn Nets added Patty Mills. He was leaving the San Antonio Spurs, was decided between the Lakers and the Nets, ultimately went Nets. So that is interesting. But Patty Mills has left the, Los An- the San Antonio Spurs to go to the Brooklyn Nets. Um, Steph Curry becomes the first player in NBA history to sign multiple $200 million deals when he inked his four-year $215 million deal that was going to secure him in uh, Golden State, in Oracle, for the remainder of his prime, probably. And then Kawhi Leonard still has not signed with the Los Angeles Clippers. Um, No word on if he's going to. Um... No word on if, I mean, no word on anything. It's Kawhi Leonard. If he said 30 words to the media in his career, it's because they, it's because somebody forced him to say all 30. He doesn't say anything. Uh, he doesn't trust the Clippers' medical staff, which is the ultimately what the beef was with the Spurs. So it'd be interesting to see if the issues he took with the Spurs and the stance he took with the Spurs spills over into the stance he takes with the Clippers. Um, the Clippers are now in position to tell Kawhi no. They don't have the championship pedigree that Popovich and the Spurs had. Um, if Kawhi Leonard says he wants a one plus one and he's not going to play this year, then the Clippers are going to give him his money to not play. They're going to pay him 30 some odd million dollars to sit there and watch him in the sideline. Uh, with uh, thigh, with uh, tendinosis, Kawhi Leonard missed most of the season and then he decided to load manage to next season. A partially torn ACL spells like he's seizing in the injury for Kawhi Leonard. And so uh, hopefully we see him back this year healthy, uh, you know, along with other guys like Clay Thompson, Jamal Murray. Uh, hopefully we see Kawhi Leonard back on the court healthy 
I anticipate we won't see him again until 2022. Um, but we'll definitely keep an eye on that situation. But up next, we're going to shift to the NFL and talk about what's going on with the Shield. Alrighty, guys, and welcome back into the show. And now, a little bit more breaking news. Uh, Reggie Jackson uh, on the NBA front. Reggie Jackson has signed a two-year deal to return to the Los Angeles Clippers. But we're going to dive right into the NFL and talk about what's going down there. We have football back, finally. Oh, man, I feel like the rock. Finally. The football has come back to the schedule. Uh, last night we had the Hall of Fame game, the annual Hall of Fame game. It's usually played the Thursday before Hall of Fame weekend. It kicks off. It's the it's the kickoff of the NFL season. It's the first thing on this calendar year uh, for the NFL. It's the Hall of Fame game. And then, of course, the Hall of Fame enshrinement uh, is this weekend. It's going to be probably the longest ceremony ever. Uh, considering that they're doing two classes. So the class of 2020, their Hall of Fame induction was canceled or postponed rather uh, due to COVID. COVID really just hit, um, was in its peak, uh, its first peak rather, um, when uh, the Hall of Fame was supposed to be inducted last year. And so they pushed it back and they're going to do a joint 2020-2021, similar to what the NBA did. They did 2020 class and the 2021 class this year. Uh, and so the 2020 Hall of Fame inductees and the 2021 Hall of Fame inductees will be enshrined this weekend um, in Canton. We've got some absolute legends of the game. You have Bill Cowher, you have Jimmy Johnson, you have Peyton Manning, you have Charles Woodson, just to name a few of those guys um, that are going to be inducted into the Hall of Fame this uh, this year. So. And you think about the Hall of Fame and you think about the two sports and you think about the Basketball Hall of Fame. Well, it's just that it's the Basketball Hall of Fame. So a lot of times you get guys who, oh, man, they shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame. Da -da 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 -da. They weren't that good. The NBA. Da -da -da -da. Um, and you're absolutely right. You are absolutely correct. Like, Yao Ming's NBA career alone is not Hall of Fame worthy. But he's in because of his international impact on the game. There's several other guys that we debate, but then you like Carmelo Anthony. He's a no-doubt Hall of Famer. NBA career alone, he's a, he's a really, really good scorer. He didn't do anything else. But if you put in his championship at Syracuse, you put in his impact in the international game, he's a no-doubt first battle Hall of Famer. Um, you've got guys who, especially foreign players, who are really, really good Olympians, they are in because whoa, whoa breaking news breaking news on the josh allen contract so the buffalo bills have just announced uh i was on it ian rapaport was on it uh chris mortensen was on it as well i think chris mortensen actually was first he okay whoa okay so huge update Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills have agreed to a six-year deal worth $258 million with $150 million guaranteed. Wow. 
What a deal for the Bills to lock in Josh Allen. Huge money and definitely sets the market on the next wave of player. Wow, 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 wow. Um, 43 million a year. So remember, those numbers are six years uh, for $258 million, also known as $43 million a year. He gets $150 million guaranteed. Um, he's a quarterback, so I assume the rest of it's tied up in roster bonuses, incentives, things of that nature. But he's probably going to see $258 million. He'll probably see it in minimum $225, unless he doesn't hit some of his incentives. Um, but that would be the only way I see that it doesn't happen. Wow, huge money uh, for Josh Allen. A guy who two years ago was completing uh, 57% of his passes, give or take. Um, and so that is huge. Like I said, it sets the wave for the new quarterback. So Josh Allen signed first, which means Lamar Jackson's deal. Josh Allen got 43 Lamar Jackson's deal is probably going to come in at 43 and a half. So maybe he might do a six year 260 uh, million dollar contract at 43 and a half million, something of that nature. Uh, remember, Patrick Mahomes currently has the highest annual average over the life of a contract at 45. And remember when they signed the deal, it was 10 years or 12 year extension for $500 million, basically. Um, and everybody went, oh my God, oh my God, $500 million. But then if you look at the way the contract was structured, it was 40 for the first half and 50 for the second half. So at a certain point, they're going to average it out and stretch the money around. They're already renegotiated and all the other stuff. They're going to his numbers are actually going to fall further and further down the list of where quarterbacks are making. So it's going to make Patrick Mahomes deal a steal. Uh, Josh Allen is is his first big contract. I believe he's 26 or 27. Um, so he's going to be able to re-enter free agency uh, or re-up his deal um, in order to help himself. Um, looking at Josh Allen's age now, he's 25. So with a six-year deal, he'll be renegotiating again at 30. So and he'll be in the peak of his career. He'll be able to renegotiate for another five or six years and stack another $200 million or 250 or maybe even 300 by that point million dollars onto his value wow huge money for josh allen something i definitely was not expecting um we had been hearing that they were not going to negotiate during the season so that put a ticker about a month on the uh negotiations a little over a month actually on the negotiations uh and so they got it done six years 258 million dollars again wow uh the number is flat out eye-popping uh, to look at so huge huge kudos to josh allen um big congratulations to him uh very proud of josh allen for getting that done along with the bills for paying their superstar and paying their quarterback and paying the face of their franchise so now we're looking at baltimore and their situation with lamar jackson we're looking at uh, baker mayfield with the cleveland browns we're looking at kyler murray with Arizona Cardinals, not this year, but next. Um, we are looking at several other of the top quarterbacks and what they're going to do with Josh Allen setting the market. Dak Prescott just got his money. Josh Allen setting the market uh, next. So we're going to be looking at several of those quarterbacks. Wow, wow. Um, definitely the biggest news that we have so far today. Huge, huge deal uh, for the Buffalo Bills and Josh Allen. But shifting back to the Hall of Fame, 
which one day the Bills hopefully hope Josh Allen's in because that means he would have won a lot and done a lot for their franchise. I'm just going to ramble off, not ramble off, but mention the names of the people that's going in. You know, I mentioned a few of them earlier, but I want to give each one of these guys their proper recognition for what they've done for the game. I may not know the name. Uh, admittedly, I don't know every great player in the NFL. I may not know the name, but I want to at least say all the names of the two classes going in. Uh, the 2020 Hall of Fame class was special due to the fact of it was celebrating the 100th year of the NFL. Uh, the NFL did start in 1919 or 1920. Um, and so it was celebrating the 100th year of the NFL. So they inducted 20 people as an honoring of that milestone. Um, and so list off the class of 2020. It was Steve Atwater, Isaac Bruce. Um, so Steve at safety, Steve Atwater, wide receiver, Isaac Bruce, Harold Carmichael, who was a wide receiver, Jim Covert, who was an offensive tackle, Bobby Dillon, who was a defensive back, Cliff Harris, who was a safety, Winston Hill was an offensive tackle, Steve Hutchinson, who was a guard, Adrian James, who was a running back, Alex Karras, who was a defensive tackle, Troy Palomalu, who was a safety, Donnie Shell, who was a defensive back, Duke Slater, who was a tackle. Uh, Mark Speedle, who was an end, and Ed Sprinkle, who was an end as well. They also inducted two coaches, Bill Cowher of the Pittsburgh Steelers and Jimmy Johnson of Cowboys fame mostly, but he also coached the Miami Dolphins. And they also inducted three contributors, George Young, who was an NFL general manager for the New York Giants, Paul Tagliabue, who was the NFL commissioner, and Steve Sable, who was the founder of NFL Films. And then the class of 2021, which is a normal class, it had eight people go in. Uh, it was Peyton Manning, quarterback, obviously. Wide receiver, Calvin Johnson. Safety, Charles Woodson. Safety, John Lynch. Alex Fanica, Alan Fanica, who was an offensive guard. And Drew Pearson, uh, wide receiver for the Dallas Cowboys, also known as the original 88. So Drew Pearson started the tradition of wide receivers. I really made it popular for wide receivers, the top wide receiver in Dallas to wear 88. So you get Drew Pearson, you have uh, Michael Irvin, you get Dez Bryant, now CeeDee Lamb is wearing it. Um, so the number one receiver in Dallas traditionally wears the number 88 and it is a tradition started from Drew Pearson. And then uh, coach Tom Flores of Raiders and Seahawks. And then the contributor was scout Bill Nunn of the Pittsburgh Steelers. And so that is the list of the Hall of Fame inductees for this uh, this season, or this induction, induction ceremony. So kudos to those guys. Uh, congratulations to them and their families getting that gold jacket, getting their bus, especially guys like Drew Pearson. Drew Pearson should have been in. And he's getting that bus, uh, seeing the reactions now of uh, Dusty Baker, I believe his name. And if I got it wrong, my apologies, um, who goes around and does the so how they used to do the hall of fame i'm not sure how they used to do it but how they used to do it was they would go around you would just get like a letter or they would make an announcement or something and then you would um you would just get alerted i'm not sure how they used to do it but they used to send a package to your house something i don't know have your family do it um or something along that lines but now they have the commissioner of the uh, David Baker. Sorry, I said Dusty Baker. David uh, Dusty Baker is a baseball manager. David Baker now goes to you. So he knocked on Randy Moss' hotel door one day. He told him he was in. 
Uh, he's going on NFL Live uh, and CBS shows and stuff like that to tell Bill Cobb and Jimmy Johnson they were in. Um, and just to see that raw emotion. And you, you see him. When you see David Baker coming to you and you've been a long time and he starts talking directly to you, you know it's coming. But when he says those words, we'd like to make you the 300, like he told Jimmy Johnson, to make you the 300th and something member of the NFL Hall of Fame. And just to see the emotion that poured out of um, Jimmy Johnson, that that raw emotion. It was to the point where he couldn't talk. He was trying to talk and you can see the guys around him patting him on the back and being like, it's okay, Jimmy. And you don't have to say anything. And he's trying to talk and thank people. And just to see that raw emotion, you saw Randy Moss with a look of complete disbelief. Because even though Jimmy Johnson had a very relatively short stint in the NFL for Hall of Fame coach, just to see that, uh, especially at the top, but just to see that raw emotion of, man, you don't know. Because, again, it's not like basketball. Basketball, Jimmy Johnson's a slam dunk because you put Miami plus Dallas, he's a slam dunk, no contest. Even then, he was to have that emotion, but it's a little less of a, oh, wow, Jimmy Johnson's going in. You know, Bill Cower, you know, see him with his family immediately. He, for a couple of seconds, struggled to talk. Like I said, Randy Moss is a reaction I keep I have vividly in my head. Uh, when, he, when David Baker told him, like, you're going to be a member of the Hall of Fame. It's just, it's such an amazing moment when David Baker finds you, uh, you know, and you see the cameras and you see David Baker and, and like your brain is starting to put two and two together, but a small part of you still hasn't, the main, small part of you is like, oh my God, he's about to tell me I'm in the Hall of Fame. But then a, t- a part of you is like, well, maybe not, you know, maybe they could be asking me to do anything. And then to hear the words, we'd like to make you the whatever member of the NFL Hall of Fame. Um, it's just an absolutely amazing experience. So congratulations to everyone that is going in this year, even from 2020 and 2021. Kudos to you guys. Um, just a couple of small news. The the Forbes listed the most valuable franchises in order. It's the Patriots. Uh, they had the not the Patriots, the Cowboys. Sorry, had the most with six and a half billion dollars. You know, the Patriots came in at about five billion, followed by the Giants, the Rams, and then the Washington Football Team. Um, so that was an interesting list to look at. But that is all we have for the NFL right now. Again, congratulations to Josh Allen for his re-upping his deal, six years at $258 million, also known as $43 million a year. Kudos to him. Uh, and congratulations, big time congratulations to all of the Hall of Fame and Shinies this weekend. Congratulations to you and your families. You guys have more than earned it. But up next, we're going to have a sit down with Kenny Ward of Hanging with July and Wilk. Uh, check out their YouTube channel. They do a lot of podcasts. Uh, sometimes they're live. Uh, I've been on a few of them. So if you want to see me on those, uh, definitely check those out. Uh, but up next, we're going to talk with him a little bit about the NFL, a little bit about the NBA, what's going down in free agency. Uh, he's going to react to this Josh Allen news as well. Um, so we're definitely going to have that conversation. Stick around for that. Alrighty, guys, and welcome back into the show. 
and now we're going to talk to one half of hanging with july and wilk and he's going to introduce himself right now what's up y'all what's up man this is july from hanging with july and wilk it's my pleasure to be on uh justin podcast you know talking sports that's what i love to do love to do it for fun as a passion of mine wasn't really wasn't really good at playing sports, but I could I could talk about it, <laughs> and it's just a just just a pleasure being on this podcast with Justin on his podcast. Yeah, because like I told you guys earlier in the show, I'm often on theirs, so it's really cool that he's coming on mine now. We finally got it set up. But all right, man, let's jump right into it. So the Lakers have done an um, old build for their new roster. Um, I've said I said on the show earlier that experience does win in playoff games. We've seen that before. And I was wondering your thoughts. I know you're a huge Carmelo Anthony fan, so I was wondering all your thoughts on the Lakers build. Um I think the mo the success gonna is gonna be it's gonna be up to Russell Westbrook. Honestly, it's gonna be up to, it's gonna be up to Russell uh, Russell Westbrook. If Russell Westbrook could buy into LeBron and A D I could see them. I could see them winning, you know, fifty to sixty games this year, like easily. And that's with resting players, because you know everybody don't play every game anymore. So that's with resting players. They could win fifty to sixty games this year. I think Russell Westbrook is a special type of talent. Where when he go off, he could look like he, you know, a top three to five player in the NBA. Um, when he's having an off night, you know, people, you know, might. Talk bad, talk bad about him, what he did. Like he shot five for 21. But either way, he going to give you, you know, 12 rebounds, 12 assists. You know, he going to give you those kind of numbers. But I think personally, him and LeBron, they're going to have to find a way to... What's the word I'm looking for? Find a way to play together when it comes to the point guard position. Because as we all know, uh, been a point been the point guard his whole career mostly. I, if we talking honestly, Brian been the point guard his whole career. Right. Uh, Russell Westbrook, he's been the point uh, point guard his whole career. Uh, so basically, I think it's gonna be up up to Russell Westbrook. I think LeBron, uh, I think he's gonna have to take a step back as well as far as uh, point guard duties, play off the ball more like he did in Miami. When that was the best version of Brian I ever seen in Miami. Uh, so I think Russell Westbrook figuring out how to play with LeBron and AD, and then of course you got Trevor Reza coming. You got uh, who's that? Kent Bazemore that yeah. took less money that to go with him, and then you got my boy Carmelo Anthony. Well, you know he going his 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 job is to get buckets. <laughs> that's, that's, right. that's his job. Just get buckets. Come when when the Lakers need a need a bucket. You know, drop ten to fifteen points. That's that's your job. That's where you're at at the point of your career. But I think the success is going to be on uh, Russell Westbrook. and Because when I say success, I mean win a championship. I got you. So I think, I think it's going to be up to Russell Westbrook when it's all said and done. Okay. Yeah, because the points you raise about players wrestling is a huge one. Uh, we know the Lakers probably, I mean, I don't see anybody on that team playing 75 games. Um, or probably even 70. They got a lot of old guys. I was going through the list earlier. You know, Carmelo's 35-36. LeBron's 35-36. Reese is on the wrong side of 33-34. Uh, Dwight Howard's back. He's in his mid-30s. Baysmore's in his early 30s, I believe. Uh, the only young guys they added is uh, Kendrick Nunn and Malik Monk. But they're not going to play heavy minutes at all. So really the main guys you're going to count on are going to be 
older guys on the wrong side of 30 and Anthony Davis who gets hurt and sick like a child. So other than that, <laughs> other than that, um, they bring in a lot of experience with those moves. But we're going to look at the East a little bit. Um, the East made some moves. You know, normally we look at the East uh, as the side that waits. You know, they usually have one dominant team. Um, LeBron owned it for a decade plus. Uh, but you usually have one dominant team. And then the rest of the teams in the East kind of feel like they're just waiting on that dominant team to stop winning. Uh, but no one seemed to be afraid of the Bucks. I guess. Uh, Miami loaded up when they went and got Kyle Lowry and P.J. Tucker. Chicago loaded up, uh, going to get Lonzo Ball, DeMar DeRozan, uh, Alice Caruso. So just some hues there. The Knicks uh, bring in Kemba Walker, re-signed Julius Randle. Um, Atlanta kept their squad together. The Knicks also added Evan Fournier. Uh, the Nets went and got Patty Mills. So the East is loading up. Uh, I was talking on the show a little earlier about how there's about five teams that can finish anywhere from third to seventh, and it wouldn't shock me. Uh, that would be the Heat, the Hawks, the Knicks, um, Boston, and oh, I can't think of my last team now. Heat, Hawks, Knicks, Chicago. We would be the fifth team in that group. Um, just some thoughts on the East and what they're doing right now. Uh, I like what Miami did, uh, stealing P.J. Tucker from Milwaukee, because uh, P.J. Tucker made Milwaukee a, a, a better defensive team. It was already good, borderline great, but P.J. Tucker made Milwaukee a better defensive team. And for Miami to go to sign P.J. Tucker, who helped uh, Milwaukee beat them in the first round, well, sweep them in the first round, I think that was big, along uh, signing uh, Kyle Lowry. Uh, people say that Duncan Robinson, that contract, was a, a bad contract. I don't think it was. Five years, $98 million. Uh, uh, you know, a, a, a lights out shooter. I, I really don't. I really don't think that was. Uh, and then they signed. Uh, which which Mars? Which Mars they signed? The one from the Clippers, Markeith. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They got Keith. Yeah, they got Markeith Morris. So you got guys like PJ Tucker, Markeith Morris. You know, Jimmy Butler. And, you know, Kyle Lowry. That's a, that's a, a and a Bam. Bam out of, out of bio. That's a great group of defensive players that could also play offense as well. With PJ Tucker, more a uh, shooter, a uh, three and D player. But yeah, that's a that's a tough group of guys. So I would see Miami being very confident playing Milwaukee, and then you got Brooklyn, who was playing with a one-legged James Harden. Uh, Kyrie Irving got hurt during the season, and the series still went seven games. So I think Brooklyn. They still still think that they're better than Milwaukee. Then obviously uh, you got you know the up and coming Bulls. You got a confident Atlanta Hawks uh, team that their main goal this offseason was uh, you know resigning John Collins. And of course they're gonna give Trey Young an extension. Of course. Uh, so I think the only the only team that really taking a step back in the East that you know actually made the playoffs last year is Philadelphia because. Uh, it looks like Ben Simmons won out, and he he not gonna. He, I just read, you know, a few hours ago that he not responding to Joe and B phone calls. So, um, as far as contenders in the East, you got new contenders coming up, like you said, the uh, the Bulls. They could finish from anywhere from three to seven. Uh, you got the Knicks, who got Kimber Walker, and they was able to resign Derrick Rose. So basically, you gonna have and Derrick Rose was the best player in the playoffs last year. So the Knicks got better in my opinion as well even though they lost uh, 
Reggie Bullock. Bullock. Is, is it Bullock or Bullock? I honestly don't know. <laughs> well, well, yeah, they lost, they lost him, but uh, I think they uh, they got something special going on in New York. Uh, but as for Milwaukee, um, they resigned Bobby Portis. I guess they resigned Bobby Portis, you know, because he's a he's a young he's a younger version of uh, if you want to say a younger PJ Tucker. Um, but yeah, I don't see any East teams being afraid of Milwaukee. Because uh, Milwaukee, they beat a Suns team uh, in the finals last year. And me and you both know the Suns wouldn't have made it out the first round if AD was uh, was healthy last year. At all. <laughs> but speaking of those yeah. speaking of those Suns, uh, they re-signed Chris Paul. Four years, 120, or up to 120. The contract's a little convoluted. Uh, I explained it a little bit earlier. So basically the first, from what I understand... The first two years are guaranteed, a regular NBA contract, and then there's outs after that. So year three, I believe, is a partial guarantee, and year four basically has to be opted in by the team. It's sort of like a team contract, a team option, rather. Um, so it's basically you can get out of it after two years. But it was smart, I guess, to give him four years, so if he's playing well, uh, keep him around. So what are your thoughts on the Suns? They didn't really do a lot besides bring Chris Paul back. Um, they re-signed Sarge as well. Um, that's pretty much it. They seem to be just coming back with it again. Uh, just looking at health, considering your thoughts on them even making it to the finals again or Western Conference Finals. Yeah, like, like I just said, I mean the Suns they they got lucky last year, and I don't I don't like to say that, <laughs> but they really did. When you you playing you down to the Lakers two one, and then Anthony Davis, you know he gets hurt. And then you you fortunate enough to play a uh, Denver Nuggets team that didn't have their second best player Jamal Murray, uh, and then you go to the Western Conference Finals when you <laughs> you play the Clippers team that don't have their best player Kawhi Leonard. Like That's so, true. I don't I I don't know why the Suns were confident that they didn't think they had to make any major moves this all season. I mean, they resigned Chris Paul. They also resigned Cameron Payne. Who had a you know a good playoff last year, but I don't think the Suns were good enough not to do anything this off season. Like I, I just don't, I, I just don't see it. And Chris Paul, he is a year older. He's probably your uh, your second or third best player, but he is a year older. He makes the team go, and I, I don't see it. I, I see the Suns taking a step back next year. Uh, depends where they finish off in the season, but I definitely don't see them making the finals again. Gotcha, gotcha. All right, so we're going to switch gears a little bit to the NFL. Uh, I definitely wanted to get your reaction on a couple of topics. Uh, I was going to start with Green Bay, but Josh Allen kind of scooped the world. Um, yes, I don't know. Yes. If, yeah, you've seen it. Yeah, uh, re-signing for six years, $258 million, which breaks down to $43 million a year. Uh, it includes $150 million in guarantees, which I assume are tied up in roster bonuses. And um, including a hundred million dollars due when he signed his name on the contract. So Josh Allen is now a hundred million dollars richer. Um, kudos to him and the Bills organization. But what are your initial thoughts on that? Oh, I hundred percent agree with, with with it. Like this is, as you know, uh, this is a quarterback driven lead. And when you find that guy, when you when you when you find that guy, your quarterback. You know you gotta you gotta break you gotta break uh, break bread on him like before Josh Allen uh, how many times 
the Bills switched quarterbacks. How many times they made the playoffs? The last time I remember was uh was it Tyron Taylor? <laughs> yeah, it was Tyrod. Tyrod got him there, and then before that, before that, I think it was Rob Johnson. I think so. And then before that was Jim <laughs> Kelly. I think like it was. Yeah, so I mean, when you find that guy, you do everything uh, to keep him, and he definitely deserved the uh, the contract last year, uh, this year. Last year it was unfortunately he ran into that uh, that juggernaut in uh, Kansas City. But uh, yeah, I, I agree with a hundred percent. I mean, I don't. I don't think there's a, a such thing as overpaying quarterbacks if he's that guy. I really don't think there's a such thing as overpaying quarterbacks. I got you. I got you. I mean, the only two people happier than Josh Allen currently, and and, and Josh Allen's fiance wife can't remember which one she is, <laughs> is is Lamar Jackson and Baker Mayfield because they're next, so they smile all the way to the bank. <laughs> Their agents are going insane right now. Uh, forty three a year. I think Lamar will pass it. I think he'll go to forty three and a half. You know. Players do petty things and go a half million dollars more. Uh, so I think he'll do 43 and a half. I don't think Baker deserves that kind of money. Um, I've been out on Baker pretty much since he got drafted. Um, he feels, I called him an overqualified Case Keenum at first, and that feels harsh. Um, but uh, not that harsh. Uh, he really, his, he felt like a product of his environment. Um, they got Odell and Jarvis. They got Njoku and Hooper. You have... Kareem Hunt and Chubb. Now your offensive line is one of the best in the league. And you still almost got outgunned in the Cincinnati Bengals game by a rookie quarterback and what's whatever was left of A.J. Green at that point. I mean, like, I just, I, I don't see it in Baker, but he's happy because they're going to have to pay him because it's Cleveland. They don't do anything right. Um, but you're a Packers fan. This is the topic I wanted to start with. Um, you're a Packers fan. And so I wanted to talk with you a little bit about what's going down in Green Bay. Uh, we're finally hearing from Jordan Love. He's not like a mammoth or something. That was good to know. Uh, we we had no idea what Jordan Love sounded like. His voice actually was kind of odd. I didn't even know it was like that. Um, I guess any voice out of him would have been odd at that point. Uh, you've got Aaron Rodgers making 40-yard trick throws into keyholes, it looks like. You, you've, got, you've got Matt LaFleur not talking you've got brian gudenkun saying yeah this is pretty much aaron's team which is doing what he wants now um what is going on in green bay uh my my honest opinion uh it's it's, it's a lot it's a lot justin like, like i say it all the time when we drafted when we drafted jordan love we traded we treat uh, people know that we drafted him but you know Casual football fans don't know that we actually traded up for him. Yep, traded up four so, spots or yeah, five we spots. Tra- we moved up, I think it was three spots. Might have been three, 27-24 or something like that. Yeah, because I know the teams in between us was uh, was Baltimore, Indiana, and I think another team, I don't know. But teams that didn't need quarterbacks was between us. Unless, unless uh, we heard somebody else was planning on to move up to get Jordan Love, unless we heard that, then there was no reason we should have moved up for Jordan Love. I mean, it was, got him. it was possible. Yeah. I had uh, heard that New Orleans was interested in coming back up. I heard that pre-draft. Yeah. That if they On the second pass, they were going to go and get them. So maybe they heard New Orleans was coming. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> maybe. It's possible. But, you know, Jordan Love, okay, we draft Jordan Love. You know, maybe he the future in the next, you know, two years, you know. 
Yeah, I just, I just dealt, I just dealt with it. And then we draft uh, AJ Dillon. AJ Dillon in the second round. Okay. So, okay. I don't mean to I'm, cut you off, but I'm I'm just gonna say it straight up. Your GM was a that was the worst draft I've seen in my life. You can continue. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but the reason the reason I wasn't even tripping on the AJ Dillon draft because I knew Aaron Jones contract was was coming up, and we don't we do not pay running backs. We do not pay running backs ever. Ever we don't pay running backs. That's not. I think we lost them. Um, we're gonna. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're back now. <laughs> yeah, we do. We do not pay running backs. So I'm thinking we draft an AJ Dillon, you know, to be you know a running back of the future. And then um, you know the season season go. We have a we have a pretty we have a pretty good season as you know. Aaron Rodgers uh, MVP. We got uh, Devontae Adams had his uh, his best season as a pro. Uh, tying the franchise touchdown record with uh, Sterling Sharp, uh, Aaron Jones have a you know pretty good, pretty good season, pretty decent season. Uh, Batiara he have a, a great season until he get uh until he get hurt. Corey Lindsay Lindsley was an All Pro. Uh, then you had Robert Tanyan he led tight ends with uh <clears throat> with touchdowns. You know so we having a pretty good season. In the playoffs we had a pretty good first playoff game. And then comes the NFC Championship game. Uh, we start off, we start off bad. Uh, start off in the hole, um, and it gets worse when Kevin King gives up a touchdown at the end of the half. Jesus. But here's what, here's what was the turning point that actually, to me, shot us in the foot when Aaron Jones fumbled the ball. When Aaron Jones fumbled the ball, I looked at it as okay. That was his last time touching the football as a Packer. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people did. <laughs> and we, of course, everybody know about the three interceptions Brady threw, and we only scored three points off of that. That was, uh, you know, our offense. I was on Rodgers, he the quarterback, so only turned into three, uh, three points. And we know about uh, Matt Lafleur. Uh, instead of going for it on fourth down, he decided to kick a field goal. We know about all that. Blah, blah, blah. Let's skip all that. So. We decided to let Corey Lindsley go, our All Pro Center. We decided to let him go, and we resigned Aaron Jones. We resigned Aaron Jones. That's that's what that's what threw me in the loop. And if you if you listen to Aaron Rodgers, uh, I don't know if you listen to his uh, his uh, his post conference. Oh, oh, I loved it. Oh, I, I watched it live. It was amazing. Yeah, if you if you listen to him, you know he brought up that. The uh, uh, management never talked to him one time about what players to bring in. Not one time in his career. So I get what his frustration coming from. Uh, I, if he if he stay with us, well, he is staying with us this year. But after this year, you know, he decided to leave. You know, I'm not I'm not mad at him. Thank him. I thank him for the years he gave us. You know, but I understand the frustration and. I mean, Devontae Adams is another one. Like, he said he deserves to be the highest-paid receiver. I mean, I don't think so. I really don't think so. But uh, <clears throat> he said he cut off all contract talks with Green Bay, so he out, he out too. So after this year, I think this is going to be the start of the uh, 
Jordan Love era. <laughs> I mean, Devon, I, I, I like Devontae Adams as a person. Um, but high, <laughs> high, highest paid, he might be talking about total and not annual because DeAndre Hopkins is getting something like 27 annual. Uh, with that deal he got with Arizona, so he might be talking about total. He might be trying to pass that Michael Thomas hundred million or something. Cause I'm not paying a receiver twenty seven and a half million dollars a year unless your last name was Hopkins. No offense to anybody else in the league. Um, just facts. Um, so before I get you out of here, and again appreciate you coming on the show. Uh, please talk about your own podcast a little bit. appreciate you coming on the show uh, like i said earlier we've been trying to set this up for probably a month month and a half now so i'm glad our schedules could finally uh align and get you on the show and i appreciate it all right man you have a blessing all right man appreciate it so again i would like to thank my friend july or as i called him kenny early on the show so i'm not sure he'll think about that but um thank my friend july for coming on the show and up next we are going to have our best for last, which is going to be a talk about Messi leaving Barcelona. Alrighty, guys, and we are back and a little bit of breaking news. Uh, the Memphis Grizzlies are trading Grayson Allen to the Milwaukee Bucks for Sam Howell and Sam Merrill, my apologies, and two future second round picks. And also the Jacksonville Jaguars have signed Tavon Austin, the return specialist. Uh, so that's a little bit of news in the NFL and NBA world. But back to this. Um, so we got big news yesterday that Messi was indeed leaving FC Barcelona. Um, this is huge because Messi's never been with anybody else. He's been with Barca 15 years, I believe. He's made over 600 goals for Barca. They've won dozens of championships of cups together. Um, and he's leaving. Um, a COVID casualty, and I'm going to call it. Because Barca is one of the more profitable organizations in soccer. Unfortunately, when they had to shut the season down and go without fans and stuff, a lot of teams lost a lot of money. Um, and so Messi recently just had a contract of four years, $674 million with Barcelona. Uh, that translates to just about $168.5 million a year that Barca was paying Messi. Um, and when you lose a lot of money, committing $168 million or probably even more now, he might have been looking for $700 million in the next contract. Um, 
is hard to do. And so uh, they had come to an agreement on a contract a few months ago. Um, and that was big news. Okay, he's going to stay in Barker because the rumors that they were going to have to cut him because of financial reasons. And ultimately, he was ended up staying in Barca. And so that was huge news. Messi's staying, Messi's staying. And then, like I said, we got yesterday, we got an announcement um, that, and no, in fact, he will not be resigning with Barca because they can't afford to pay him, basically. And um, because of which, he is a free agent. So this will be the first time in his career he's a free agent. Uh, we've already been told that Paris Saint-Germain Germain, has reached out to uh messi regarding their team psg is one of the top teams and obviously in france um juventus could be on the list we've never seen ronaldo and messi play together that would be insane uh i believe psg still has mbappe um i could be wrong on that but he is from france hold on mbappe currently plays for yes he plays for psg so they will be attempting to sign Messi and retain Mbappe, which would put two of the best 10 players on planet Earth on one team. Uh, that'd be a very dangerous combination. Uh, I, I would be shocked if Juventus doesn't try and get involved in some way to have Ronaldo and Messi, which would be two of the best three or four players on planet Earth. Um, so that is going to be a very interesting free agency. Whoever signs Lionel Messi is going to get a guy at the end of his prime. However, he is a guy that just led Argentina to their first, his first major cup as first major senior cup um, and as in Barcelona and not Barcelona in uh, Argentina, my apologies. And now he is a free agent from Barca for the first time in his career. So I, I'm sure he's going to want a lot of money, which may knock out PSG if they want to keep both they may value Mbappe's youth over Messi's talent Messi's better than Mbappe but not enough to where you lose one for an exchange for a couple years as opposed to you can have the other one for a decade um, that may keep Juventus out they're already paying Cristiano Ronaldo and the rest of that squad so it may keep Juventus out uh, we don't know where Messi wants to live he's either lived in Barcelona or he's lived in Argentina you know, in terms of his soccer playing career, we don't know if he wants to go to Italy. We don't know if he wants to go to France. Uh, we don't know. So we're definitely keep our eye on that. You know, the MLS has already made the joke. They're willing to everybody's willing to pitch in as a league. Um, that's been a joke floating around. Everybody's willing to pitch in as a league in the MLS. Uh, pay Messi one flat fee and then basically a lottery system in order to see who gets them. Um, there's been a lot of different things going on. People trying to, you know, the Lakers have made jokes about signing him and the, the New Orleans Saints have made jokes about signing him. It's huge. He's one of the five biggest stars on planet Earth. He goes by a single name. It's Messi. Uh, you, I mean, you got Messi. That's that's Messi. That's LeBron. That's Ronaldo. That's Brady. I mean, even Brady probably doesn't have the real international appeal. He might have it because of his wife, Giselle. But, um, you know, he doesn't have it solo. So he's one of the five or six biggest stars in the world. And he's, for the first time in his career, not tied to a club. So this is going to be very interesting. Um, absolutely huge news. So we're definitely going to keep our eye on that um, when, as it develops. But that is all we have for today. Again, I want to thank July for coming on the show. One half of Hanging with July and Wilk on youtube uh definitely check out their content like i said i've been on there a few times i'm gonna be on there again um not sure when but i will definitely let you guys know 
And that is all we have for today. So you guys have a great rest of your weekend. Enjoy yourselves. And remember, follow the show on iTunes and Spotify. Rate, rate, like, and subscribe. And don't forget to follow. We now have Facebook. So don't forget to like the Facebook page and follow uh, at JTime Sports, which is Justin Time Sports. You can find it on all three socials, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. So definitely give that a follow. And I hope you guys have a great rest of your weekend. This is your host, Justin Jackson, signing out.